Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Praise God, church. Good morning. It's good to see everybody. Appreciate you being here. Alan and Pat, how are you doing? Praise the Lord. We've got the Baker clan back there from Dickinson. Where are they at? Laura Madison McKinley drove all the way from Dickinson. We appreciate you coming. and They've been friends of ours for a long, long time. Her husband was my youth pastor for how many years? Five, four years? Four years? Dear Lord, and we still like each other. <laughs> it's a miracle. Amen. And I'm so blessed to, to have my wife with me. We don't, she won't get to go everywhere, but she's with me this morning. We've been together since 1980, married since 1982. She is so good looking. And I wouldn't be in the ministry. I wouldn't have been uh, whatever good I was at it, Pastor, and I wouldn't have been without her. And I thank God for her. We've got six grandkids, more on the way. The future of our friendship is, is dependent on how you respond when I talk to you about my grandchildren. If you don't light up and smile, and I, we probably don't have a future. But anyway, I'm just so blessed. You know, uh, Pastor Rusty and I go back a long way. And when I first took over church as, as a young, young man, uh, boy, we were having some struggles. We were having some struggles. And I asked the Lord, we had a camp meeting, and, and I asked the Lord, Lord, who can I bring that, well, that's going to impart something and leave something? Uh, in in the church, you know, sometimes, and I'm, I'm not trying not to be critical of, of of people and other ministers. I don't want to be like that, you know. But sometimes people, uh, especially after pastoring a long time, some people come through, and you just kind of get the feeling after a while, maybe they they were just here for an offering. Maybe that's just what they needed, and so we blessed them and helped them. But other people, they're different. There, there's more of a a covenant relationship. You know how to find out about covenant relationships? You don't have to work as hard to be friends. You cannot talk for a year or two, and when you meet, you just pick right back up where you left off. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, Rusty Martin. And I had Pastor Rusty come, and he got up, and he switched messages. He got up and changed, and he said, I do have a word. You know how he talks. I've got a word. And he said, the word is change. Change everything. That's what God's saying. I'm telling you, I heard from God. Now, how's that? Is that a good Rusty Martin? I take off on people. I can do T.L. Osborne too, but I won't do it here. Anyway, uh, he got up and, I mean, at first I was like, oh, Lord, you know, yeah, change the church. Come to find out it was the Lord talking to me. <laughs> so I repented. And I became more of a servant leader. And the Lord really turned things around and, and blessed us and helped us. And, and uh, we've been on the mission field now. 18, this is our 18th year uh, working with Dr. Egan Falk in Tanzania, East Africa. Uh, we were over the Bible college there. We trained leaders from all over the nation. And uh, we quit going to the big cities. They were, you know, they, it got to be a racket. You know, you know if you... If you uh, Pay us so much money, we'll make sure so many people are there and you can take your pictures and, and uh, blah, blah, blah. So what we do is we just go where nobody wants to go. We go where the, where the, where the, 
there's uh, witchcraft and Islam. And sometimes it's mixed together. It's, it's a hybrid. You know, that happens in South America with Catholicism and witchcraft. It's a dangerous bird. It's a dangerous thing when people, because there's no fool like a religious fool. Somebody that thinks he's doing what he's doing in the name of the Lord, and really he's being used by the devil. There's not anything they won't do. And so what we do is we go where nobody wants to go. Believe me, nobody wants to go. We call it bush bush, perenni perenni. You know what that is? That's when you go out way out to the country folk, you get them together and ask them where the hillbillies are. <laughs> and then you go there. And so we go there and we eat stuff I wouldn't feed to a dog I don't like. But the Lord has blessed us. And we don't have any bad stories. God has blessed us. We've seen miracles and miracles and signs and wonders. And we get to be a part of seeing God change a nation. Can you say amen? amen. A little bit about where I come from. I come from a super, super dysfunctional family. We put the funk in dysfunctional. If you look us up in the dictionary under dysfunctional, there's a picture of the trochles. They all got their hands around each other's throat, except me. I'm standing aside from my family, looking at them and wondering, how did I get here? <laughs> That's the story of our life. My mother was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, she had three clinical breakdowns, tried to kill herself four times by the time I was 14. My dad was a violent alcoholic who drank himself to death. My brother was a drug addict who overdosed. And uh, so... You know, I, I say all that just to say this. You, you can, it doesn't matter what, what you were born into. Redemption is so powerful. The gospel is so powerful. It can just take you complete. I can talk about those things and people go, oh, and I don't, I don't say that to try to get you to do that. I just say, look, I mean, I'm semi-normal. And, uh, you know, God has just done great things. And, uh God has just blessed my life more than I, I can. I have the home, the marriage that I always dreamed of. The kids, listen, our kids, are, are, are they love Jesus, they love us, and they love each other. Amen. You want to hear my greatest accomplishment? That's it right there. I don't claim anything else. Everything else is just gravy. And so we're, we're just so honored to be here. It's a little bit intimidating. You know, I have never met anybody that flows in revelation like Pastor Rusty. You ought to thank God for your pastor. I've, I've been deer hunting with him, duck hunting with him, and it's just we don't hunt. He just preaches to me. And then it's not just the word. It's just, any, just anything. He was talking to me one time, and I stopped him in mid-sentence. And I just, I, I just did like that. And he goes, what? I said, you're overwhelming. How, how, how do you know so much about so much? He could just, anything you want to name, he can tell you everything about it. So, but uh, more than that, it's just his heart for God. His heart for God. You know, there's preachers running down the road for 50 more dollars. And they'll chase anything in the, in, the, in the church that has a skirt on. You ought to thank God for your pastor. You ought to thank God for your pastor. And I, I bless them and I thank God for them. Praise the Lord. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 11. Praise God. I got saved from a, a, a United Pentecostal youth group, had a New Year's Eve service in 1978. And the youth pastor got up and preached, God is a God of the impossible. 
Think of the most impossible thing you can think of. And in 1979, we'll see God do it. So the pastor's daughter, uh, Judy Trammell, thought of the most impossible thing she could think of. And she wrote it down. She said, in 1979, Paul Troquel will be saved. Because <laughs> it was the most impossible thing she could think of. I was a rascal. I was a rascal. And uh, well known by the police, me and my whole family. We were often in the newspaper. But anyway, uh, that, got, that piece of paper got handed up to her dad, the pastor. He gets up on a Sunday morning and announces a two-week fast for my salvation. You never heard of churches doing that. So I'm a football jock, you know, tough guy. I think I am anyway, wasn't much. But I was walking down the hall and one of my football buddies came up and punched me in the arm and said, Trokel, you bad. I said, what? He said, you bad. I said, why are you saying that? He said, you know that United Pentecostal Church? I said, yeah. He said, they ain't eating because of you. <laughs> I said, what? He said, the whole church ain't eating because of how bad you are. We didn't know anything about fasting, so we didn't know what this talking about. But I was like, well, I cussed him out, you know. Next thing I know, one of the, the worship leaders moved across the street from me. Came over every day knocking on the door. I slammed it back then. I'd fight a grown man. I didn't care who I fought. I was just full of anger. So I slammed the door in his face two or three times. Told him to go to hell. I don't know you. And he wanted me to help him move a refrigerator. Go get somebody else. I ain't your slave. Just mad. Just mad at the world, you know. That dude come back next day grinning like a Cheshire cat. I think, are you stupid or what? <laughs> Cussed you out yesterday. You didn't get the message. He just loved me. And then we were, we were poor. My dad was gone, and I was living with my mother, and she'd lost her mind, didn't know how to do a checkbook. We, we, we struggled. And so he said, I'm a, I'm a professional barber. I'll cut your hair for free if you'll come to church. I heard free. Hmm. All right. If I, all I got to do is come to church with you. Now, first time I ever felt the Holy Ghost was when I was four years old. I was on the top bunk of my bunk bed, and my mom and dad were, we're in the back room, and they were, they were about to kill each other. They were tearing the furniture up and cursing and screaming. And I was sitting up in my bed screaming at them, trying to get them to stop. Just tore my heart out. Please stop. Please stop. Suddenly felt the Holy Spirit come on me, four years old. We went to a denominational church, didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. None of us were born again. Went to church three times a week. Didn't mean a thing. Felt the Holy Spirit wrap His arms around me. I said to the Lord, this is you, isn't it? This is you. I laid down and went to sleep like a baby. Next thing I know, I'm 14. My dad leaves for good. He left for good. I mean, he left a little bit every year, but I knew when I turned 14, he's going to leave for good. Sure enough, he did. I told my mother the next day, I said, I'll, I'll never go to church with you again. She said, why? I said, Mama, God's not at our church. She was all perplexed and Said, you just turned 14. How do you know God's not, on, not at our church? I said, Mama, the people don't love each other. If the people don't love each other, how can God be there? So I went absolutely wild. 
There was nobody could contain me. My daddy was gone. My mama wasn't strong enough anymore. She tried to beat on me, but I just stood there and laughed at her. And uh, so those days were over. And so I just went and just just went crazy, just wild. And uh, so roll ahead a few years, and the barber asked me to come to his church. I walked in the church, and that same spirit that hit me when I was four hit me in my chest. I said, hang on, hang on. I don't know what to call this, but it's, 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 it has to be God. And uh, three months later, I went down to the front. Bless their darling hearts. You know, I love the United Pentecostals. They're going to make heaven if and they don't shoot right past it. Because they got so much zeal. So I'm down there and there one, one, one group of people pulling, pulling on one arm saying, hang on. The other group saying, let go. And I didn't, I was about ready to slap somebody. You know, I was a street kid. I didn't know what they were doing. They're trying to get me to speak in tongues because their doctrine is if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. That's not Bible. Bible says, except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So they're kind of getting the cart before the horse. But anyway, the good people, I got born again accidentally. Now, salvation, if you don't know the Lord, being born again, you don't have to feel a thing when it happens. It's a faith thing. You just believe. You don't have to feel anything. But that was not my experience. When I got saved at 17 years old, it literally felt like a chemical change happened in my body. I stood up, and the first words out of my mouth was this, that, well, that's it. And what I meant was, I'm going to follow this the rest of my life and never go back. He put a love hook in my jaw so deep, I could never, ever deny what happened to me on that day. He, some people, they, they say, I got saved. You know, for me, it was like I got rescued. I got rescued. And I know that the best testimony that a person can have is that they were raised in church and they never went out into the depths of sin like I did. That is the best testimony. But sometimes I feel a little sorry for those people because they didn't get to experience the contrast that I experienced. To whom much is forgiven, the same loveth much. And so I... I, it would take so long to tell you how blessed we've been and how gracious God has been to us. And, you know, we pastored a church and, and, and in the end, we, the, it was, we were pastoring our dream in Magnolia, Arkansas. The church was powerful. It had doubled. It had tripled. We had redone buildings. We'd built new buildings. We, God was blessing. It was good. We have people here to testify that God blessed the church. And then when, when it was at its best and greatest and highest, the Lord told me to leave. <laughs> Walk away. It took two years of praying to get it through my mind that God was actually telling me to leave. I could never imagine that I could be more blessed than I was when I pastored. But I'm here to tell you after 18 years, God has been good to us. We have seen so many miracles and so many lives changed. And God has worked in our family. Hebrews 11. Nobody can preach like Pastor Rusty, so I'll just be myself.
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want to talk to you about different expressions of faith. Different expressions of faith. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Faith is obtaining a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Faith is being able to understand what you can't understand with your natural senses. By faith, Enoch was taken away. By faith, Abel offered to God a more, verse 4, a more excellent sacrifice. Faith is a sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken away. Faith is deliverance from death. By faith, Noah moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Faith is preparing for future things. By faith he dwelt in the land. Talking about Abraham. By faith, verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Sometimes faith is going out when you don't know where you're going. Can you say amen? amen. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise. It's so funny. I was raised in a little racist town and a racist family. And God sent me to Africa. Tell me. Tell me God don't have a sense of humor. Faith is dwelling in places that you're unfamiliar with. Faith, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive a seed and she bore a child. Faith is receiving supernatural strength to produce what you can't produce on your own. So what I'm trying to get you to see is faith has got a lot of different expressions, a lot of different ways, but sometimes we can get locked in on God moving in our lives in, in a certain way because we have a certain kind of faith that approaches God that way. And sometimes we can want what we want the way we want it. Naaman was a leper in, the, in 2 Kings chapter 5 and, and he went to the prophet looking for a miracle. And the prophet didn't even come out to see him, told him to go dip in, in the Jordan. In other words, go jump in the lake. How'd you like to do that? I went to see the man of God. I had a big offering. He told me to go jump in the lake. Got mad about it. Got offended about it. Almost missed his miracle. Because God did not come to him the way he thought he would. John the Baptist is there, had the greatest revelation of Jesus anybody ever had. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He must increase, I must decrease. I don't know what he thought. Maybe they're going to join together and do evangelistic campaigns. John the Baptist would teach the people during the day and Jesus would do the big crusades at night like me and Dr. Egan do on the road. I don't know if that's what he thought. But you know what? When you're in prison, you can start doubting some things. You think, look, I did what I was supposed to and look what, look what happened to me. You know, you got to be careful not to judge God by how people are treating you. You also can't, you can't judge your life by how it ends up sometimes. Because there's John the Baptist in prison doubting what he once knew and Jesus turns right around and commends him. Aren't you glad that God will freeze you at your highest point? That's how merciful he is. He said there's not a greater prophet born of women than John the Baptist. Jesus commended his life and John, John thought it was a complete failure. Things don't turn out sometimes the way we think. Can you say amen? 
You know, I was when I was pastoring, I was so I was so desperate. I mean, I I got into that desperate type of praying. I don't know if some of you know what I'm talking about. I was praying for revival and harvest, revival and har harvest, and I'm talking about hours and hours of, of laboring and interceding in prayer. And and I'll be, you know, this is saying in the South, we say it, I don't even know why we say it. I'll be dog. I don't even know why we say that. I'll be dog if the church didn't start filling up with weird people. Now come on, there's not any weird people here today. I'm just talking about people you know. It's people you might know. I mean, everybody, y'all, everybody came through the door, was tattooed up, pierced, addicted, child molester, been through three, four, five marriages. Oh, my Lord in heaven. I got so frustrated with it. I went to the Lord and I said, could, could, could you, everybody, everybody's got a ticker. Could you send us someone normal? I'm praying for harvest here. Right? And the Lord said to me, not yet. Said, what do you mean not yet? I heard the Lord say, not yet. He said, I'm not going to send to you the people that every church wants until you prove to me you love the people that no church wants. It was a love test. We were involved in a love test. Now, how ridiculous is this? The harvest is right under my nose and I don't see it. Why? Because it's not coming in the way I thought it would. My faith was out there for normal people. <laughs> you know, you can get locked in on a certain kind of faith. I'm from Spring Hill, Louisiana. We, back when I was a teenager, all we did was drag Main. Anybody know what dragging Main means? You go down Main Street, you wave at the same people you're going to wave at when you get down to the end, come back. We drug Main all Friday and Saturday night. We drug Main. And you know, everybody back then was smoking weed and drinking and dipping skull. And I go back there now and I see Bubba. Bubba grew a ponytail his senior year. I look at him now and he's 60 years old and he's bald-headed on top. And he's got a ponytail down the back. <laughs> and there he is with Bubba Jr. and Bubette. <laughs> and he's still smoking pot, drinking beer, and dipping skull. That dude got stuck. You ever see anybody get stuck? Some people get stuck in their faith. In, in, in the sense that they're only expressing their faith in one way. Here's, here's a few ways that they do it. One way is people say, I'm believing God for bad things not to happen. Let me tell you what, I'm believing 2021 is going to be different. Thank God 2020 is over. Now it's a new year and I'm believing God nothing bad's going to happen. Well, praise the Lord. Go for it. You got more faith than I do. I, I'm, not, I'm not mocking that type of faith. There are, there are times where people believe for bad things not to happen, and they don't. And so I'm, I, I rejoice. If you got faith of any kind, I'm not going to put you down. Go for it. Thank God. And then there's a, another kind of faith where people say, well, bad things have happened, but now I'm believing for them to change. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. And that's happened over and over. People go in, you know, I had a tumor. They cut me open. Tumor's gone. Praise the Lord. Sold me back up, sent me home. I've seen, I've heard testimony. Have you heard testimony like that? The bad thing that was there went away. Praise the Lord. But then you can get into an iffy kind of faith. It's kind of iffy. You know, where the ground that you're standing on may not be as solid to have that type of faith. And that's the faith where you say, I'm believing for, for, for the bad people that are messing everything up to change. Hmm. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And I don't know a scripture in the Bible where I can believe for God to override your will. You can get into some forms of, of spiritual witchcraft trying to manipulate somebody in a, in a way that's not sanctioned by God. Amen? And, and, and so, you know, you've you got to be careful about that type of faith. You know, I, I, I had a lady, she came, she came and she's sweet, sweet, sweet. Let me tell you, this woman got a Ph.D. in sweet. I pastored her for years. She came to me and, 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 and her, her, her husband was, I don't even want to say what, I, what, I'm, what I'm thinking in my mind. Let's just say it like this. He was a knucklehead. He didn't treat her right. In fact, he treated her horribly. She came to me and she'd say, Brother Paul, pray with me. He's not doing right. And to pray with me, he'll change. And the Bible says, faith, the Bible says love never fails. Love never fails. So uh, in her mind, what she heard from that scripture was, if I walk in love toward him, he'll change and become the man that I, that I want him to be. So she spent years being frustrated. And it, and it hurt me as a pastor. It hurt me. And I finally went to the Lord about it. Love, love never fails. What does that mean? And, 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 and the Lord showed me that that's not what that scripture's mis, been misused somewhat. All that scripture means is this. Nobody can out ugly the love of God in you. Anytime you choose to walk in love, the supply will be there. It doesn't matter if 490 times a day they do you wrong. If you choose to walk in love, 490, listen, listen, what's going to happen? I, I, I don't know what your number is. Peter had seven. Peter's number was seven. After seven, I'm going to slap him. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Right? Right? So what, what, what's, what's that mean? It means that human love is just like gas in an automobile. You can fill it up all you want, but you drive long enough, you're going to come up empty. And what God is saying is, when you get to the end of your rope, you're not at the end of my rope. My supply of divine love, divine love, which is not like human love at all, will never run out. It will never fail. So I had to have a meeting with her and I had a little talk with her. And I said, I want you to quit uh, waiting for him to change. I want you to keep doing what you're doing, but quit expecting him to change. I want you to walk in victory for the rest of your life. And she and I made a covenant. She's like a sweet mama to me. And she walked in victory until the day he died and he never changed. He never changed. Now, 
I can tell you this, what's going to happen the first thousand years in heaven, he's going to be carrying her crown and having to explain what a knucklehead he was. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says, But understand this, that in the last days will come, and the, the, the Amplified takes into account all of the nuances of the Greek. And the nuance of the Greek says this, and the last days will come, and it says, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, all I can tell you is this. I'm believing for God's best. I am believing for God's best. And at the same time, let me tell you, you can't believe away Scripture. You can't believe away Scripture. Now, 2015, I went to the doctor. I should have been there a lot earlier, but I didn't go because I didn't want to hear what he had to say. That was a big mistake. Faith doesn't live in denial. So what did he tell me? He told me I had cancer. Took me two hours to get on top of it. They spent 45 minutes telling me how horrible it was and how I was going to die from it. 45 minutes to a surgeon and a doctor. I I went two hours around Shreveport, Bossier, driving, and I was in a whirlwind of of, uh, darkness. Hit me. And finally, I just snapped and I said, Oh, God. You, you have to give me, you have, you, I know that you're with me. I did not want this to happen. That's why I didn't go to the doctor the way I should. How stupid. Faith's not denial. Faith works with what is. In order to speak to the mountain, you have to acknowledge that there is one there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I would have fainted except I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I said, ha, I got this whooped. What's going to happen? I don't know. What they going to do? Not sure. Believe I'm going to live and not die. Well, here I be. Didn't even have to have radiation or chemo. Somebody praise the Lord for that. Now, what a waste of time to sit around and wish that something bad happened didn't happen what a waste of time and energy listen to me this is what I think we're at right now 2021 is here I'm going to talk about the United States tonight and what we what 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 I feel in my heart and some things and I believe you'll be encouraged I really do but this is what I think we need to do we need to shift gears you know this is what's happened to me in Africa Something has rubbed off on me. Let me tell you a story, and it's a rough story. It's tough. We'll get through it. It's got a good ending, but it's a tough story. I had two students named Maxwell and Tuamini, husband and wife. Maxwell at one time was an armed robber, got born again at one of Egan's crusades, come to Bible school to become a pastor. His wife, Tuamini, in Swahili, Tuamini means we believe. They, they believed God for years to try to have a child and She'd go to three months and start bleeding, bleed out, lose the child. She got pregnant in school. She started bleeding. We laid hands on her. She stopped bleeding. She carried that baby to full term. Now, 
It's a rough situation. She's in an African hospital, if you don't know what that means. She went into labor about 11.30 at night, and the nurses wouldn't get up and come and help her. She gave birth to a perfectly formed baby boy, but she bled so much she passed out. And when she woke up, the baby had drowned in its own fluid. All it took was a little old bulb to suck the fluid out. He would have lived. Nobody lifted a finger. Let me tell you, when that, when that word got back to me, the principal, I was so angry. And you know, before I was saved, I was a fighter. You back me up in the corner, it's going to be bad. And I felt like this, was, this is such an injustice. So I went that morning. We had fixed our house up for her to recuperate, a nice bed and everything. I went that morning to that hospital now, you know, I don't know all the, swa the cuss words in Swahili, but I know some words. <laughs> and I was prepared. And I won't say I cussed, but where, where I spit, nothing would ever grow. I was mad, and I was, I was fixing to let fly. That morning, Maxwell got up at 6 in the morning, took his little baby boy out in a field, and buried him in a box. And when we got there, they were waiting on us. And I was ready. He got up. He hugged me. We went to walk in out of the hospital. He went by every nurse and said, thank you. He went by every doctor and said, Asante, Asante Sana, thank you so much. I couldn't believe what was happening. We got in the car and we went to the house. We put his wife in the bed. We went to the living room. He looked back at me and he said, Pastor, we need to pray. Now, here I am going to Tanzania to teach them, but I'm about to learn the lesson of my life. He got down on his knees and he reached back his hand like a son to a father. I reached out and grabbed his hand and he started praying. This is what he said. Father, we don't blame you. We want you to know. In fact, we don't blame anybody. But this has happened and it's horrible. And now we're asking you to help us through it. And now, Father, we're going to worship you. And that's what we did for 45 minutes. And I, my tears just poured because it was God teaching me something about faith that I didn't know. There is a faith to get you through. Now, a year later, I look up at the back of the school at the top, and there is Maxwell and two Amini, and they got a beautiful baby girl in their arm, and they're smiling. And now they're pastoring a church, and they're strong, and they got other little ones now. You know, I, 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 I think that sometimes if, you, if you're not careful, that faith to get you through, you can get hung up from it. How do you get hung up? You could get offended at God. You could get offended at God's leaders, God's people. You can get offended at, 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 at church people. Listen, the faith to get you through, if you're going to walk in it, if you're going to walk in it, you've got to walk free of offense. Even, even justifiable offense. Doesn't matter what they did. 
If you're the one hung up, you're still hung up. Don't let the devil win twice. Okay? If you're going to have a faith that takes you through, you've got you to gotta keep a rejoicing spirit. Huh? This is a come what may faith. A come what may faith is always a rejoicing faith. You find something to rejoice in. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I want to encourage you in this. Get unhung if you're hung up. This is what I'm doing right now. You know, thank God 2020 is over. Thank God 2021's here. I'm shifting gears. I'm shifting into a come what may faith. Why? At the beginning of this year, I was loading Christmas boxes up, you know, because I'm a good husband. I'm on the ladder and I'm handing up boxes and boxes of Christmas, more Christmas than anybody should have. Three times the Christmas any family should need. And I'm twisting and somehow my spine collapsed down on my sciatic nerve. Only, only thing that touched it was two back-to-back -back shots of morphine. That's how bad it was. So what happened during that time? I was tempted to, to say, God, where are you? I was tempted to say, why did you let this happen? What'd you do? I got up on my hands and knees at 2.30 in the morning because it was the only position that even gave me remote relief. And I rocked back and forth and I started crying and I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing, but I just started saying, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop. Well, I couldn't sing, but I... You never stop working. You never stop. And I just, uh, all of a sudden, hang on, hang on. Way down, down in my, down in my toes. I, I, I located some joy. I located some joy. My back got better. And then I got COVID. And it was horrible. And what made it worse is my wife got it and never had a symptom. She's waking up every, good morning, how are you? You better this morning? No. Why are you so happy every morning? We need in the church today to switch over to a come what may faith. Come what may 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Would you stand up with me? I got a word from the Lord. Come back tonight. I promise you I got a word from God. Maybe you never heard communion ministered like I'm going to minister to it. But it's a great restart. Would you do this? Would you lift your hands? Father, right now, for people that have been hung up over things in their life, things in 2020, sometimes we get hung up with disappointment. We get hung up with what people have done or not done. And 
We get hung up sometimes with the way things have turned out. But Lord, today, I'm praying for every person here that by the Holy Ghost, you unhang us. Unstick us. Get us off of that disappointment. Renew and refresh us. Give us the grace to start over. You said in your word that your mercies are new every morning. Even mercy on my mistakes that I made in 2020. Let the blood of Jesus wash completely over my life. Father, I thank you that you take Island Church into a different kind of faith. The come what may faith. That 2021 at the end, there'll be a dancing, laughing, rejoicing church. No matter what comes, come what may. We're here to say that God is leading us to victory. Can you thank Him for it now? Thank Him for it. If you got unstuck right then, begin thanking Him. Come on. Thank Him. Thank Him out loud. Thank Him that you're unstuck. Thank Him that you can start over. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.